Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. I applaud you for choosing to listen to this podcast. I think most of us would prefer to ignore the enemy and pretend he's not there. C.S. Lewis warned us about that strategy, saying, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. He's right. We want to avoid the extremes. To ignore Satan is foolish and dangerous. To become obsessed with him is as well. There's a big middle ground, however, where we need to remain. The thing about Satan is that he doesn't send a calling card before he attacks. He's a sneaky devil, for sure. Yet once we learn of his character, his goal, and his tactics, it does become more obvious to spot his work. Let's start with understanding who Satan is and look at his character. Where did he come from anyway? Well, believe it or not, Satan was once part of the original angelic host. Like all human beings and all angelic beings, he is a created being. Let's stop there. Let that sink in. Satan is a created being. God made him. You're likely asking yourself, well, why in the world would God do that? Well, I'll come back to that in a minute. Because Satan is a created being, he is not God or a God or like God. He doesn't have the power of God or his authority. Satan and God are not on the same level. Satan does have some power, obviously. He's been stirring up trouble since the garden when he tempted Adam and Eve. But the only thing he creates is trouble. He can't make a tree or a planet or a human being. God alone holds that distinction. He is the creator. Never attribute more power to Satan than he really has. Because of this critical distinction, there is never a contest as to who will prevail when we ask when we pray and ask God to defeat the work of Satan in our life. Never. It's not like after God hears our prayer request, he'll get in the ring with Satan and do his best to knock him out. Satan is no match for God. Now, there is such a thing as a stronghold. A stronghold is something Satan has a grip on that prevents prayer from loosening his grip. In those situations, Satan is usually attached to a sin or trauma in our life, and we need help getting resolution and healing for the thing he is attached to. Resolve the underlying issue, and then the battle can be won. God is greater than Satan in every way. In fact, Satan can never prevail unless we cooperate with him. Think about it. He has the power to tempt us, but not the power to make us do anything. He can't force us to obey him. We have to choose it. That's not to say resisting him is easy. He's very persuasive. He's a smooth talker. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, 
for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He knows our weaknesses and how to use that against us. I'm certainly not minimizing his evil work. Words are powerful. But all we have to do to win the battle is to stand against his lies and suggestions. All we have to do is refuse his evil ideas. He can't win if we don't cooperate. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God will always help us. So Satan is an angelic being lower than God, possessing some power, but he's certainly not omnipotent. Isaiah and Ezekiel share some of his backstory. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Satan wasn't satisfying, satisfied being subordinate to God. He wanted all the glory for himself. I will be like the Most High. And because there's only room for one at the top, he was expelled from heaven. Ezekiel 28, 17 says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Satan was apparently a spectacular angel, ambitious, talented, beautiful. But all that worked against him because of his pride. He trusted himself and not God and lost his place in heaven. And ever since then, he's been stirring up trouble everywhere he can. And his goal? Make God pay for expelling him. Make God suffer. And how does he do that? By hurting his kids. You see, Satan could not care less about you or me. We are immaterial to his plans. It's God he wants to hurt. And he accomplishes that by hurting us. He doesn't want God to have any followers. So his tactics are designed to steal us away from God. Anything he can do to plant lies and false ideas about God and his love for us. Anything he can do to discourage us from continuing on with the Lord, from following him or obeying his word. Satan knows what selfish beings we are, so he taps into our selfishness all the time, encouraging us to take care of ourselves instead of giving ourselves to the Lord. And I'm sad to say he succeeds. Satan's very good at what he does. John 8, says, NIV, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he interferes in our life by tempting us and lying to us. And his goal is to take us away from God, to destroy us as a way to get back at God and make him pay for rejecting him. He's a powerful enemy, 
but he is a defeated enemy. When Christ defeated death by dying on a cross and rising from the dead, Satan's fate was sealed. Death was Satan's territory, and Christ took it away from him. And now Satan is doomed. His fate is known. Revelation spells out exactly what is going to happen to him. That is not stopping him, however, from launching his attacks on us. Revelation 12.12 tells us he's not giving up. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So we need to know what to do in response to all of this. First, we must accept Satan is real. To deny his existence is to deny scripture and deny God. You can't get out of the first book of the Bible without seeing the reality of Satan. Secondly, there's no need to be his pawn or victim. As I said earlier, he's no match for God. And if we are God's child, we have access to powerful weapons. The battle against Satan is fought on two fronts, preventing attacks and fighting attacks. A lot of unnecessary trouble from Satan can be avoided if we simply obey God and do what he says. One of the biggest areas of prevention is forgiveness. We're so reluctant to let go of our offenders and forgive them. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 and 11 says, NIV, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Even though God clearly tells us over and over to forgive our offenders, we hang on to bitterness, anger, and righteous judgment with a fierce tenacity. This is my wound. I deserve to hold on to this, even if it's destroying me. We're nuts to hang on to our wounds for about a dozen reasons. And here's a big one. Unforgiveness is an open door for Satan to harass us and harm us. But that's not the only area where prevention is in our control. Any sinful behavior, lying, stealing, self-medicating with food, drugs, alcohol, crime, every form of sexual sin, any choice to harm another person, the list is endless. Sinful behavior is a free ticket for Satan to interfere in our life and make us miserable. Anger is a big open door for Satan. That's why God warns us to get rid of our anger quickly. And of course, any involvement in cults, satanic worship, or false religions will open the door too. Bottom line on prevention, we can control half of the problem simply by getting the stuff out of our life that is contrary to God and to his word. Unfortunately, that won't end all harassment from the enemy. If we follow God and serve him, Satan will still seek ways to knock us off center and stop us from persevering. If he perceives us as a threat, stealing his captives, infringing on his kingdom of darkness, he will try to stop us. So after we've addressed the garbage in our life and gotten rid of it, 
We need to make sure we are using our weapons, all of them. Temptation was Satan's weapon of choice when it came to Jesus. He knew that if he could get the Son of God to fall to selfish motives and pride, then he'd score a great victory. But he lost that battle. Why? Because Jesus didn't cave into the temptation. Jesus stood firm. He knew the Word of God and chose to believe the Word of God. Scripture is a powerful weapon in our battle against Satan. But it won't do us any good if we don't know what it says. As a side note here, I've heard people say Christians can't be harassed by Satan. That's total nonsense. Jesus was harassed by Satan. I don't need to say any more. As Jesus demonstrated, our most powerful weapon against Satan is to know, believe, and stand firmly upon Scripture. It's not enough to know what it says. For heaven's sakes, Satan knows God's Word. We must believe it, and that only occurs when we act upon it. We must live accordingly. No one wins the battle against Satan unless they're consistently reading the Bible. No one. We need the truth daily as ammunition to stay on the right road or to get back on the right road when we stray. Revelation 12:11 says, NIV, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. How do we overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb. That's a reference to receiving Christ as our Savior and by the word of their testimony. We need to stand up for the truth and speak the truth. When we belong to Christ, we have the authority to call upon his name anytime we need his help and power. And it doesn't need to be a fancy prayer either. Jesus, come help me works just fine. Ephesians 6 gives us a whole list of things that will also help protect us. Worship needs to have a prominent place in our life. Praying, singing, and listening to praise music is a great way to keep a clean environment. Follow the example of Jesus. He prayed about this matter in John 17, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Make this spiritual warfare a regular part of your prayer life. One of my favorite prayers is right out of the Bible, Psalm 68, verse 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As you seek to approach this area of your spiritual life, being attentive to the work of Satan and his interference, be sure you don't fall to fear. As I said at the beginning, don't become obsessed with him or this subject. Christ has set you free. Don't let Satan take you back into captivity for anything. Remain in freedom at all costs. Just be aware that there's always the possibility the enemy may be causing you unnecessary grief. A good question to ask is, I wonder if Satan is playing a role in this situation just to help you stay alert. So why did God make Satan 
If Satan is such a troublemaker, why did God create him in the first place? Well, I won't pretend to have the full scoop on that one, but one thing I do know is that God is still the one running the universe. He is the sovereign authority, and everything God does is for good, for our good. Satan may think he's in control, but he really isn't. God uses Satan's work to help us recognize our need for God in our life, our need for his help. As human beings, we're pretty unmotivated to leave our small, selfish worlds. While God doesn't instigate Satan's work, he will use it to draw us to him. From the beginning of time, it's been God's desire that we would choose him. There can't be a choice unless there is also the option to reject God. There has to be two options for there to be a choice. Satan's the other one. Whether we acknowledge Satan or not, any time we reject God or disobey him, we are choosing Satan. One day, he will be eliminated. And when that day comes, I want a front row seat. I can't wait. Until then, we will remain on the battlefield. I will, however, refuse to be his victim. I hope you will make that choice as well. In closing, remember 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be wise and vigilant. Don't let Satan devour your life. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise noted. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.